Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I will give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Suzanne Jean. She is the director of Fit for Defense, operating a unique anti-bullying program. She recently published a book and has a black belt in karate and is an advanced Tai Chi practitioner. So I find those two things very interesting, Uh, but I'm happy to have Suzanne here talk more a little bit about her life and the things she's got going on. So thank you so much, Suzanne. Why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit more about you? All right. Thank you for having me. This is a great opportunity to to share the work that I am doing in anti-bullying and uh, as everyone knows, I mean, the World Health Organization has uh, named this as a global uh, problem, and all of our communities are impacted uh, by it. So my career has had two parallel roads, one being social services, and I have over 50 years of work in community-based social services. And the other path has been my martial arts training. And winding it way back um, to working with street-involved youth and street kids, I started to notice that we were criminalizing a social problem, that adults couldn't deal with the anger and the aggression of kids. So the easiest thing to do was to put them in detention. And um, I thought, hmm, This is interesting because pursuing self-defense, I realized that if I were able to give these youth care workers the skills to communicate and de-escalate violence, I could keep the kids out of jail. So I started to look at those things and began to apply the the principles of self-defense, but not just from a physical point of view, looking at the emotional and the psychological implications of defense and began to do some training. And that was sort of the beginning of this thing called Fit for Defense. So would you be willing to share a little bit kind of how like way back you first got into martial arts? Because it is something that I think the world tends to look at as more of a male dominated activity. Yes. I was prescribed Tai Chi by a doctor. (laughs) I'm a hyperactive ADHD person, and I was not sleeping, living, as he said, burning the candle at both ends. And he basically said, you got two choices. You can have some medication or you can go to Tai Chi. And I said, what? (laughs) I'm not doing that. That's like for old people and it's really slow. And he said, that's your choice. So not wanting to be medicated, I went to the first class, and uh, this was back in Montreal many, many years ago, and I hated it. (laughs) But they said at the end of class, guess what? We go to Chinatown and have a big feast after class. And being a young student at the time, I thought, I can get behind that. (laughs) So I started going just for the food, and eventually it really took, I I found that it, it balanced my metabolism, it calmed me down. I was able to to really function and perform better when I was doing the Tai Chi. 
So moving to Vancouver many years later, I had to find a Tai Chi teacher because it was my prescription. And I went to Tai Chi and the, and the person teaching it was a karate master. And he said, why are you taking Tai Chi? And I said, I have to. <laughs> he said, come to karate. And I said, no, I'm not interested. And I had the same view of karate as everyone else, you know, that's like breaking boards. And uh, no, he said, no, this is for you. Just try one class. And so I went to one class and I walked out the door and bought a gi and I never looked back. And, and so what, um, can you talk a little bit about like karate as a practice and what it means to get to a black belt? Because I think we all know like, oh, a black belt, that's that's the goal. But what does that really mean? Well, the the um, exp- I use this as a tagline too in, in my training and mastering yourself is true power. And really understanding um, your thoughts and your feelings and your expression of confidence and courage, dealing with fear, all those things play out on a stage in karate because you are facing that. You're, lo- you're learning basic moves, but beneath that is a, is a whole process um, of learning and self-study. So that is part of what I have brought into my program. So. Fit for Defense is my company, but my program is called Power Ed. So power education, because the dynamics of bullying and aggression include all forms of discrimination and racism. And it's all fundamentally a study of power. And when you uh, you realize that really you're 100% responsible for your own behavior and your thoughts, it takes you right back to a place of really exploring and feeling confident and strong. So once, you know, and, and the other thing about martial arts is you're always at the bottom of the, you're always at the bottom. It's, it's a constant practice. There's no getting, getting to a black belt is really considered you're ready to be a serious student. And following that, when you get, I have, I'm working on my third degree black belt. It's, there's no definition. You can't tell a third from a seven other than how they, they practice. Right. So alongside, <laughs> you kind of really got this martial arts going on, figuring yourself out, working, you know, to be responsible and all of that. You mentioned all of these years in social services. So how did you go from like the start of social services to you know, starting your own business in the program you just mentioned? Well, as I said, I was working with kids um, and all of this has happened concurrently. I do, I do everything at the same time. That's where the ADHD comes in handy. <laughs> I can run several careers simultaneously. Um, I, I began to, to work with street kids, at-risk kids, and do self-defense. I started to perfect self-defense. So now martial arts are not like the study of karate is not self-defense. It's, it's, it's a different practice. But I started to um, really look at how I could empower people through self-defense practice. And in doing that, I, I was working with women. One day, I, I have written a book called Bullying Stuff here, and chapter one is uh, an interesting departure because I got a call, and it was from a woman, and she said, you, Suzanne? I said, yes. She said, well, she said, 
I heard on the street that you're, you're okay. And I said, well, that's good to know. And she said, I need you to help us. And I said, well, could you tell me who you are and, and what it is you want me to do? And I can share with you if I can help you out. She said, we're sex trade workers and there's a serial killer and he's choking women with piano wire. And I'm, you know, we've lost a couple of women and we really need self-defense. And I was intrigued. And I said, well, I would love, you know, I'll meet with you and I will talk about it and see if I can help you out. She says, okay, two o'clock in the morning, a.m. at a restaurant. (laughs) And I went, oh, my goodness. At this point, you know, what have I got myself into? So I show up at the restaurant, two o'clock in the morning. And she had reserved the back of the restaurant and over 50 women started filing in. And we had a meeting. And I talked about what self-defense was all about. And they talked about what their needs were. And I said, you know, I was really honest. I said, well, I will see what I can do. Um, I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, Her name was Rhonda. She said, I can get the church basement. We'd like to have the class at 7 in the morning when we finish work. (laughs) I was going, okay. Uh, There was three conditions that they showed up that I wasn't going to be there by myself at seven in the morning, um, that they stayed off, that they came fairly straight, that they weren't on drugs or alcohol when they came to the class because it is physical practice, and that they gave 100%. Well, they made the, fir- they, you know, they, they didn't quite make the first two, but they made the third. They would come, they would show up at the end of the night, and they would just give it everything they had. And I just began to realize, you know, the potential of teaching people how to be safe and how to um, value themselves, to want to protect themselves. These women were a community, a really strong community. So my thinking just, uh, I I was on on a roll then. So I basically have the four pillars of the program of Power Ed our attention, awareness, avoidance, and action. And attention is actually recognizing and accepting what is here and now. So it really fits a lot into mindfulness. And I have been adding a lot more mindfulness into my programs, especially with youth, and they love it. They love it. So what's here and now? What, what is it? And observation, observing yourself and observing your environment. So with social media and computers and gaming, everything is like inside. Everyone's going internal and they're not looking around at what's right in front of them. You can tell if somebody is escalating and they're going to be aggressive. There's a lot of signs. Their, eye, their pupils dilate. Their skin changes color. They, you know, the, their movement changes. There's so much to observe. So in the program, there's a lot around being able to learn and interpret your, those signs and learning about triggers. And it's a, a really great part of the program. Um, awareness is the real heart and soul of it because it is about self-awareness. And um, That's the tagline for the program, powered by awareness. 
It's about um, understanding what it is that you believe, what it is you feel, what is it you want, what it is you need, and learning skills to be able to communicate that assertively, which de-escalates most situations. But surprisingly, people don't have a lot of depth in understanding those things. What do I want in this situation? What, it, what do I need? We're not raised, we're not socialized to, as women even to, to need. <laughs> so it's a, it's a really big heart and soul of it. And it's about being kind to yourself, taking care of yourself, but also taking care of others. And that's a, a real strong principle in martial arts, that you're always respectful and caring for, for your partners right, and other people. And for kids that haven't grown up in environments where they've been, those things have been modeled, they, they, don't have, they, they don't have those skills. They really don't. So going back to starting to teach de-escalation to those youth care workers, we have kids at that time, very little was known about trauma. So you had all these behaviors that nobody could relate to or deal with. And, and they're frightening. They're frightening, right? When aggression is directed towards you, it's frightening. But these kids directed a lot of that to, towards themselves. And that's where you have deep depression and you have self-harming and you have all those risk behaviors. Um, it's the same thing, but it's just an internal process. So to begin to work with them um, and bring them to these places where they can examine some of this stuff and, and have conversations about this stuff is, is really so rewarding. It's just unbelievable. And they go, huh, wow, you, you feel like that too? Whoa, that's amazing, right? <laughs> and I, we're talk, I'm talking about really, really complex cases too. Like I worked with the most difficult kids. But... Um, very rewarding. And they, when they say to me in class, can we do this again? And I say, yeah, it's called a conversation. In the olden days, we used to do that all the time, right? Just sitting in a room talking about something that's important to them. So um, that's awareness. And really exploring those thoughts and feelings and understanding that you can, ch that you can change your thoughts, and this is really, uh, I found this is really important for, for kids that are, have suicidal ideation or they're getting bullied on the internet where they can, you know, they can make, they can make some changes that are fundamentally going to have a, a way more positive outcome and they'll be happier. Avoidance. Again, it's all about uh, learning to protect yourself, but you won't protect yourself if you don't value yourself. So that's why it, this whole program is packed with this good stuff around self-awareness and understanding. And um, yeah, bullying is about differences, right? So really learning to uh, accept who you are and accept who other people are is pretty important for having a, a, a great life. So looking at uh, avoidance and identifying dangers and planning around that, um, I find the more at-risk kids, they don't, they don't have any idea what risk is. I, I, here's an example. 
I was had a girls group. We were talking about avoidance and risk. And she piped up and said, oh, I sleep in the backseat of my mom's car while she's turning tricks. And all the other girls looked at her and went, what? <laughs> and she said, I guess I shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, we're talking, there's like a real extreme uh, in, in understanding that. But and I didn't have to, my jaw dropped and I've seen a lot. But those other kids picked up and they said, well, you know, I think Suzanne could help you find a place to stay and you, you shouldn't be doing that. And that's not OK. And, you know, and I just I just loved it because it was like, yeah, avoidance, figuring out how to how to be be well. And then finally, action. And that is where you have the skills to physically protect yourself and and to. You know, it's a last resort. And it's not just, again, it's not just physical because we have lots of places where we can create boundaries that aren't just physical. And this part of the practice is the self-defense is how I hook. It's my hook <laughs> to get people because it's a lot of fun. It's, I teach, everything is easy to do. It's simple, effective. And um, then I, what I do is I, I'll take that physical exercise and I'll move it into a, an emotional discussion or a psychological discussion. So if I do an exercise of physical boundaries, I'll then move that into talking about other places. We limit ourselves through our habits, you know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite powerful. I can see, I can see amazing change in a very short time. So my program is, I work with all ages. I work with seniors as well. But uh, with the seniors and children's program, there's, it's six weeks. And with youth, it's 10 weeks. But in that 10 weeks, um, I can just see phenomenal change in confidence, self-awareness, ability to communicate. And it's great to hear that you know, you, you expand the program in different ways for people of different ages and, and different situations where their bullying experiences will, will look different compared to what someone in youth might experience or someone who's working as a sex worker might experience. So is your program primarily like in person where you're located or do you expand outside of your region? I do. I expand outside of my region, but uh, COVID was difficult because I couldn't, it is a person in person program. So I'm in the process now of doing some instructor training and uh, I'm doing, uh, it's a train the trainer kind of model. And I'm doing uh, a lot of refreshers for my instructors to try to uh, get the program out there. The seniors program is, um, I don't know if you know, but slips, trips, and falls are the number one cause of death and the number two cause of hospitalization, which usually leads to death because our hospitals kill people. But, um, and again, you know, working with attention, awareness, avoidance, and action with seniors, um, I can make phenomenal change to prevent falls. Mm -hmm. And that's not my, like, I have other instructors that work with that group. I tend to work with, with youth. That's my, 
my joy. Right. But you have other instructors who, who kind of push that out for different ways. So do you know roughly like how many instructors you have kind of expanding your program out? Well, I currently I have around 20, but I want to, this is my time now. I want to expand the program and that's why I wrote the book. I really, bullying needs to stop. It's painful. It hurts. It causes so many, um, you know, depression, suicide, mental illness, anxiety. And I don't, when I talk and I speak, there's not one person that can't say, I, you know, I have, I was bullied. I have a family member that was bullied. I have a colleague that's bullied. I'm being bullied. And it needs to stop. Because then it's an attempt to control others. So, you know, my message is control yourself. <laughs> healthy, healthy, empathic, healthy kids don't bully, you know, that feel strong. And we need to give them that support. And, and as I said, have those conversations. And a lot of, there's a lot of, there's not a lot of places that they can have those tough conversations either mm-hmm. about how they're actually feeling and what's going on. But I have seen in my years, I have seen a real change in kids because of social media and because of uh, technology that kind of losing this human skill of observing and contacting each, you know, being in contact, engaging with each other and really understanding, yeah, if I pinch you, that hurts. If I call you a name, that hurts. If I put you down for how you look or what, you know, your sexual preference is or, you know, your, whether you're stupid, I mean, that hurts. <laughs> yes, it, it is so important to um, provide that support for, for people and, you know, kind of change the tide. So do you want to talk a little bit about your book and kind of what the main purpose is and, and the audience for it? Well, the main purpose for me was to try to explain a little bit how this works, because it's, it, it, it is a sort of a different concept. And I changed the program to Power Ed to get away from the idea of Fit for Defense, because that was, I think it was a little off-putting. People didn't understand So the book is Transformational Stories, and there's different ones um, starting, as I said, the first one was the story about the women and what I learned from the women. And it just goes through different walks of life, different ages, and describes how this transformation and how this process takes place using using the self-defense model. And not a lot, when I first started putting this curriculum together, there wasn't a lot of uh, information out there about trauma. And part of what I'm trying to um, communicate in the book too, is an understanding of trauma and how that spins out into behavior. So people might have a little bit more empathy and compassion when they see behaviors 
and take a little more time again to observe, like what could be going on here, right? And with the backgrounds in social services, I mean, I'm working with people that are coming from really, uh, really difficult backgrounds. Yes. Now you mentioned earlier about kind of the hook for your program being the physical aspect of self-defense. There do people kind of find it surprising when you are teaching it's more than just how can you physically protect yourself? Um, yeah, they're, they're surprised, but they, they, they really do enjoy it. They're surprised at first, but, and, you know, I, I tried, I built the curriculum to sort of attract all learners. Like, so it's, there's lots of, uh, kinetic, you know, auditory, there's lots of visual, there's lots of exercises where people are working together on things. I'll describe one little exercise um, and I do it very early on and I do it with it, all ages and it's called, uh, what is a bully? So I divide the group into three and what, and they have big pieces of paper and the three questions are, what is a bully? Why do people bully? And what can you do about it? Right? So these little groups work together to answer and we move the papers around. So all three groups answer all three questions. And then we put the papers up and they choose somebody to present well, in that moment, I know who the bullies are. And I know who the bullied are, right? Because mm -hmm. it's just for the first time, the bully is seeing themselves as other people see them. They're seeing themselves as weak, having problems. <laughs> and you should see their faces. You know, it's just like the light goes on and it's like... And I, I, I think I tell that story in the book. You know, I was with a group of children. My daughter is an instructor and she, she, she works with children. And she says, Mom, I got a really tough group. I'd love it if you'd come and do the, do the program with me. I said, sure, I'd love to. And they were all the, all the teachers. Oh, there's this really tough kid. You know, he's going to be a problem. He's going to disrupt. He doesn't do anything right. He's, and uh, sure enough, he was a little handful. And we did the exercise and I was in the group with him, you know, what is a bully? And the other little boy looked at him and he says, you know, you're a bully, don't you, Johnny? And I thought, here we go. He's going to, he's going to get really angry. Right. And he looked at him and he said, yeah, but I don't want to be. And I, my heart. <laughs> and then when he saw that, you know, when we went through the process and he saw that, he did a 360 and he loved the physical self-defense and he was good at it. And so suddenly kids are saying, Hey, you're good at that, Johnny. Instead of getting negative attention for everything he does constantly, you know, here he is in a situation where he, the mirror has been held up and he sees, yeah, I'm a bully, but I really don't want to be a bully. So it's like magic, right? Magic. That to me is magic. Mm -hmm. And I followed up. I followed up with that to see that that behavior did sustain and it did. And I mean, that's the, the power of that word to be able to follow up and say like, no, it, you know, he didn't just revert back to everything prior. So you've said how you prefer to your, you mostly work with children and that was where you started in social services. 
So how did you kind of first get into social services and working with troubled children? Well, I started off, uh, as I said, I have over 50 years. I started off uh, as a psychologist and got into mental health. I built an organization called the Kettle Society in Vancouver. It's a mental health organization. And I built that and decided to retire from that. And I was in my karate class and there was a friend, uh, a woman who ran the first uh, youth safe house. And I said, I want to work in the safe house. She said, I think you're a little overqualified. <laughs> I'd been an executive director for 15 years or whatever. And, and I said, no, I'm, I'm having this, you know, I'm doing all this work around um, self-defense and I'm really interested. I need, I want to be with kids. I want to, I want to study them. I want to be with them. And I bugged her and she said, okay, you know, and I, it's sort of like going to karate. I did one shift and I just loved them. They're just so challenging and so full of life and so resilient, you know? And um, so, yeah, so I worked with her in, in, in that, uh, that safe house. And then her and I started an organ, another organization to work with kids, to work with youth and uh, addictions. So I built another agency and had another career for another 15 years. And then I retired from that. <laughs> I kind of retire when I get, it gets too administrative for me. You know, I like, I like to do the work. I don't want to deal with the governments and the, the fundings and the boards of directors. And it's just not, not as much fun. So I, Stopped doing that, and then uh, another colleague asked me to come to her organization and help them get accredited. So accreditation is um, an international certification for best practices. And because I have a lot of experience not only in administration but in program and developing programs, um, I just uh, did that. And so then I became their quality assurance director. <laughs> So I did that for another career. So yeah, it's just, just rolls along as most people's lives, you know, the, these doors open, right? Mm -hmm. I, I read a thing though, when one door opens and another closes, you might be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned with the ADHD that you're kind of, you know, able to do these things side by side. So how is it that you do have time um, to have these different careers, have these different, you know, big things going on that are, are life changing? Well, I learned early that um, you're only as good as the people that work for you. So I invest a lot in my partners and people that work with me and um, delegating and training. And it's the same with, with Power Ed. I need to have really good instructors out there delivering the, this program and support them to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I invest a lot in, in people. And I'm particularly good at pulling resources together, like finding resources and pulling them together. I, I have a, a little bit of a knack at that. So, it served me well. And then I have energy. Well, <laughs> you know, and I still do Tai Chi, by the way. I was doing Tai Chi today. <laughs> and was, you know, your kind of first impression of Tai Chi that, you know, it's only for old people. 
was that has that been accurate during your tai chi practices oh absolutely not it's an amazing art and um it is a moving meditation it is my it is mindfulness right it is uh it completely regulates your metabolism it's amazing and it is a martial art as well and i did study it as a martial art for many years and enjoyed that so the, there's this there's this thing in martial arts you have your hard styles and your soft styles and tai chi is a soft style and karate is a hard style but at an at a very high level of study the soft becomes hard and the hard becomes soft so you have your perfect yin yang mm -hmm. And so it was, it's been very complimentary to study the two arts together over the years. Yeah. And because it was something that was like kind of prescribed to you, is it something that you need to practice every single day? I don't practice it every day, but I do, I do, you know, if I'm feeling anxious or I can feel myself revving up, I'll just do my form and I, I feel really calm. I would, I would prescribe it to anyone. <laughs> was it, was it hard kind of going to that first class? Yes, it was very hard. It was very hard. And, uh, as I said, uh, talk about hooks. If it wasn't for the meal, I don't, I probably would have been on the drugs because <laughs> it was like, Oh, this is so slow. <laughs> So do you have, you know, your ADHD relatively under control with Tai Chi and, and other things? And karate. Yeah. I still practice karate. Yeah. And I do yoga. Like I, I, I do a lot of physical activities and that really keeps me very balanced. And that, and that helps me to have the energy to do all those things. <laughs> yes. And if, if you didn't want to go the medication route to be able to have, you know, these different kinds of practices to, to help you balance out. Mm -hmm. And I've made so many good friends um, in the martial arts over the years. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just a wonderful thing for sure. And part of um, Power Ed, what we do is we refer kids back to uh, sport and sometimes martial arts, um, because once they start moving again, they remember, you know, oh, I used to dance or I used to, I used to play soccer. Or I used, to, I didn't, you know, and I'd like to do karate, right? So part of the program is trying to hook them back into community. And I have uh, a little process where I have some kids that I use as na navigators, pure navigators, who if if another kid wants to go to a karate class, they'll go with them because that door is hard to walk through. Sort of like me going to Tai Chi. I mean, it, it's a hard, it's hard to walk through a door by yourself, especially if you don't, you're not feeling confident. Mm -hmm. So my peer navigators will, um, will make those introductions. And I, I will even take it a little further and try to find, you know, if I need to find some funding for them or whatever, um, I'll do that. If they show that real interest, so it's connecting them back to community. And as I said, the disengagement is really quite profound. Mm -hmm. Now, what sort of age range of kids do you tend to focus on? 
Uh, I tend to focus on youth from uh, 14 to 24. And, and, and I, te- I focus on the more at-risk youth, the higher-risk youth, the more difficult kids, the ones that are really hard to engage. You know, because I can stare down a, <laughs> I can stare down a class of kids. <laughs> they, they actually think I'm really funny. <laughs> So for youth that are hard to engage, how do you get them to engage in your program? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I was doing this exercise that was bombing. It was uh, it was on triggers for anger. What what makes you angry? What pisses you off? Right. Uh, and there was ten of them, and I was going around from one to the other, and they were going. Uh, nothing. No, uh, no, I'm good. I'm chill. I'm good. No, I don't, I don't get angry. No, no, nothing makes me angry. And I'm going around and I said, one of them plays rugby. I said, come on, you know, you're on the field. Someone disses you. You don't get angry. He said, no, I kind of expect that in rugby. It's not going to happen. And we got around the room. I'm looking at them. I'm thinking, this is really, this is my exercise bombing. And uh, so I said, oh, that, in, in the program, we staff are allowed to bring dogs to work and the dogs come in the classroom all the time. This is a um, this was in a um, employment program for challenged youth, right? Kids with barriers to employment. The dogs come in all the time and I know they like the dogs. So, so they got back to me and I says, oh, OK, so it's OK with you guys if we just kick a dog. And they went ballistic. <laughs> They were like, that's not okay. And you can't kick a dog. And what did a dog ever do to you? And blah, blah, blah. And they all were chirping at the same time, right? And and then they started moving it. And they said, yeah, and I hate it when people diss other people too. And like, blah, blah. and suddenly they're having this, <laughs> this conversation. And I'm sitting down and I go, oh, I guess you do have some triggers. And they went, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's an example. <laughs> yes, kind of got to make them think and uh... self-awareness, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like so important. Mm-hmm. And and again, the relationship, understanding the relationship between what you think and how you feel and that you can you can work with that. Right? You can make changes. Mhm. You can change your thinking, you can change your habits, you can feel better, you can feel happier. Yeah. Yeah. So do you mostly like go into schools or go into different kind of programs that programs and places that already exist and and help further there or do you sometimes kind of get kind of outside different people coming together? Yeah, I'll get requests for programs. So I do programs um, mainstream. So, I mean, I do, I think we did Power Ed for uh, guides for a badge, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Sports teams, mainstream schools. And then I do more at-risk. So alternative schools, I've done the program in in jails. Um, social services, like this employment program. Um, so a real wide range. And then community centers. 
recreation as a recreational program. And the seniors is often in different seniors programs. So it kind of can fit anywhere, which is really what's great about it is it's flexible. Yeah. So you're really kind of spreading out and, and seeing people where they are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a workshop, a small workshop with the um, BC uh, Child Care Workers Association, the provincial association on Friday. So that'll be That'll be, I think, really good in terms of I'll probably get some requests, mm -hmm. you know, to run programs in the province. So hope so. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. And so, yeah, that's where I am now. I just want to make I, I want to make a difference. And I think this program makes a difference. So I've got to get it out there, which is hard for me. That part is hard for me is getting it, you know, getting it out there mm -hmm. and um that's why I'm so happy that you gave me the opportunity to talk to, about it with you. Yeah, of course. And are you expanding outside of, you know, your province, Canada, and like throughout the States as well? Yes, I have. Uh, I've had uh, instructors in California and I have instructors in Alberta and I have a couple in Ontario. So again, it's just getting some, I just have to get more instructors. That's where I have to focus mm -hmm. my time right now. Post COVID is getting people back working and teaching and getting new people trained. And the, the instructors, they come from, um, they're not martial artists. Uh, there are martial artists that are interested, but um, they're all often their teachers or their social service people. And so it's a real interesting mix because you know, the people coming from the martial arts side, they are really adept at teaching physical skills, obviously, in self-defense, but they can be uncomfortable with leading groups and doing the social exercises. And then the other is true. If you have a teacher, running a group is nothing, but they're uncomfortable teaching the, the techniques. So I just I balance those those two um, in, in the training. That works. And it's very uh, simple. Like it's not, we're not doing high flying side kicks. <laughs> <laughs> we're learning defense position and, you know, defensive, defensive moves. So it's good. Yeah. So um, personal strength and confidence. That's really where I'm going with it. Safety, safety, personal strength and confidence. Yes, good things for everyone to to be aware of. Now, before I start to wrap things up, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners today? Uh, well, reach out if um, you think that the program would be a benefit to where you're working or a group that, that you know could use it. Just reach out and we can see if we can make that happen. Right. And I'll, of course, make sure to leave your information in the description so people know the best way to get in touch with you and your program. And of course, read the book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, at the end of all my episodes, I do ask my guests a random question. So my question for you is, what was the last photo you took? The last photo I took was I was walking around Tucson and looking at these old mansions and there was 
obviously it was an artist and it was a spectacular sculpture of a person dancing. Like they had their legs straight up, but it was all in glass and the sun was shining through the colored glass and it was beautiful. I took that picture. All right, that brings this episode to a close. As I mentioned, I will be leaving the website for Fit for Defense and the um, program that Suzanne talked about, the Power Ed program. So that link will be in the description, and I'll also leave the link for uh, her book. It can be purchased on Amazon. That will be there as well if you'd like to check that out, along with anything else in the description. Of course, our website for the podcast is in the description. It brings you to all of our social media, all past episodes. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, so feel free to go give those pages a follow. And of course, if you would like to support the podcast monetarily, a link to do that is in the description as well. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, my email is there, so feel free to reach out. So thank you so much, Suzanne, for spending time with me today and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next time, bye. Thank you. Bye.